More on cryptocurrency with Brian Chaffin. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is brought to you by the Mac Voices Slack, available to all patrons of Mac Voices. Sign up today at patreon.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is the second part of a two-part conversation with Brian Chaffin about cryptocurrency. Brian is a cryptocurrency enthusiast, and he tells us a little bit more about the world of cryptocurrency, what's going on in it right now, and helps us decide whether or not we want to be part of the crypto world. Let's go back and let Brian do the talking. You know, Bitcoin, let's talk about, you know, I, I, I'm like giving all these things that are like problems with crypto. And I am a crypto enthusiast. Um, but let's let's talk about, let's see, uh, crypto can handle, um, let's see, number, let me, let me make some sausage here. Uh, Bitcoin transactions per second. So the crypto, the Bitcoin can process roughly 4.6 transactions per second. Visa does roughly 1,700 transactions per second. 4.6 transactions per second. So like, you know, at any given moment, like almost but not quite, five people could buy something around the world. That's not a lot. That's just not a lot. And um, uh, uh, yeah. It, it, but what difference does that make to me as a as someone who might be one of the people that wants to do that? Just well, because you're going to end up having to be. You're going to have to wait. So okay. let me let me put it another way. If I'm going to send you dollars through PayPal, you're going to get that those dollars instantly, right? Right. Or at least you're going to be told that you're getting it instantly. If you want to transfer it to your bank, you can transfer it to your bank instantly for uh, a fee of up to, I think, $15 currently. I, f- I forget what it is, but it's like it's 1%. There, used to be, there was a cap of 10 bucks. I think they just raised that cap. Uh, and they'll do it instantly. If you want to, here in the U.S. at least, if, if you want to transfer it to your bank without paying a fee, It'll take one, two, three business days, right? Not that's not fast. If you want, if I want to wire you money, or let's say that you're in Japan and you have just found this amazing piece of art that you want to buy for your house, Chuck, and you spend, I bet Brian would loan me money. And you say, hey, Brian, can you wire me some money? I want to buy this amazing piece of art in Japan, and, and, and I, I can't access the dollars. So can you wire me some money for some reason? And, and I'm like, sure, Chuck, I'm going to wire you money. Where you are going to wait days and days and days to get that money? And it's going to cost tens of dollars to, 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 for, for me to wire you that money. That's really slow and expensive. So when you're comparing sending Bitcoin to anyone in the world, and it takes... 10 minutes, maybe an hour, and it costs a few tens of cents or maybe even a few dollars compared to a wire that's super fast. Compared to transferring money from PayPal to your bank account with what for free, it's very fast. Doing that instant transfer for like up to 15 bucks, that's 
pretty slow and you're, and you're waiting and you're waiting and you, you have to wait, you, you have to wait an indeterminate amount of time because you're waiting on, on the random chance of a block being found uh, by miners. Right. So there, there's in some ways sending Bitcoin is, is fast and cheap. And in other ways, sending Bitcoin is slow and expensive, especially for daily commerce. You want to go, you want to go pay for a Coke, a bottle of a bottle of pop. I'm sorry, you're in the Northeast. A bottle of pop at the um, uh, at a convenience store for you know a buck seventy nine, and you're going to do it with Bitcoin. You're going to wait there for twenty minutes before the transaction is confirmed. Maybe maybe it'll be twenty minutes before you get a couple of confirmations on the blockchain. Well, that that doesn't work. That doesn't work at all. That doesn't work. Not in no in no way whatsoever does it work. For a transaction to take ten or twenty minutes or thirty minutes for it to be confirmed and 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 made valid. Okay, that's not for that kind of, not not for that kind of commerce. Now there are some cryptos that are fast as can be. One of my favorites is Cardano. Cardano is super fast. It is super fast. It'll have like, it'll have the the, the way Cardano is done. There will be uh, ten confirmations in a matter of moments. And there are some cryptos that are even faster. They're just designed, they were, they were designed to solve this problem that Bitcoin has, which is how many transactions it can handle and how long it takes that transaction to confirm. Okay. I, I mean, that's, those are really good examples because that, I think, illustrates why crypto is not ideal for um, most of the transactions that most of us engage in on a regular basis. For daily commerce. For daily commerce, yeah, yeah. For sending you a cup, like I don't know, um, I, I, um, sending you a couple of thousand bucks that that I owe you for some reason, you know, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter when you get it. What's well, great for that it might not be worth a couple thousand bucks when you get it. it might be worth more, it might be less, but I mean, the point is that. Uh, um, for transaction for transactions like that, where it doesn't matter how long it takes, something like Bitcoin can be great. But for buying buying a bottle of pop the store, it's it's complete. It's a not it's a complete non-starter. Brian, before we run out of time, I know pre-show we were talking. You said you were going to talk to us about staking. And I'm oh my god, here. I have. I'm, I'm well, there were there were a couple there were a couple things I wanted to get into, which is uh, you know I've been I've been like. I've been what I'm trying to what's what's another word for for poop talking that doesn't use a word that's going to get censored by Chuck. Uh, I've been talking smack about okay. about cryptos nonstop for like the last I don't know 30 or 40 minutes. I the the thing is is that this is a fast moving space and while I own several cryptos some early generation cryptos that don't necessarily do uh, a lot, and that's just because I've, I've, you know, I've, I've owned them all along. The cryptos that I put dollars in today are cryptos that do something. They, they solve a problem. They add some kind of functionality. They, um, uh, they, they do something, and they do something that is interesting to me. Uh, Cardano, Chainlink, Polkadot. Um, one of my favorites is fetch.ai, which is software agents on a blockchain. Do you remember software agents, Chuck? Sure. 
Yeah, like I've been waiting for my software agents, right? Like I'm like, where's my jetpack? I'm where's my software agents? I've been waiting for my software agents since like 1999. And you know, can't wait for my software agents. Well, we don't have software agents, but fetch.ai is a project that is uh wants to bring autonomous software agents that can negotiate and make decisions with each other on a blockchain. And that is super exciting to me. Like, for instance, uh, my, my go-to example for, for understanding why it is I'm so interested in Fetch. If you're going to buy a flight to somewhere, you can get on Expedia or you can do kayak and you're going to get a lot of noise and you've got to sort through that noise. And that noise is still going to be pretty tied to, like, I want to fly on this day and come back on this day, right? What it's very, very difficult to do is to find the best day to fly on, right? Fly, flying out from Tuesday or flying out on Thursday or flying out on the weekend are all going to have very, very different prices with them, right? And <coughs> that's also true for uh, uh, week to week, your prices may be different. And it's all dependent upon the 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 uh, the, the, the conditions of, of, of the, the, the flying industry at that time. Well, imagine if you could actually have a software agent go through and compare all of the prices on all of the days, at all of the times of day, and get you the actual best price with the shortest or non-layover possible, and then get that ticket for you. That's way better than going to something like Kayak and getting this massive amount of information that you still have to sort through. Or even going to Wikipedia. Expedia, I like to call it sometimes. And going to Expedia and getting um, uh, this massive amount of, of information that you have to sort through. Well, software agents could possibly do that for me. And a number of software agents could work together. Like one software agent could um, uh, negotiate or execute uh, a trade for different cryptos into maybe different fiat currencies to buy my ticket for me. And maybe some other software agents could actually also be uh, looking like they know that I'm traveling to London, so I'm going to need some pounds. And so they're watching the markets and they're going to execute uh, some dollars to pound conversions for me at a time that's that, that, that is most advantageous to me, et cetera. Uh, th that is to me, extremely exciting. And Fetch.ai is trying to make that a reality. It's still way early in the project. I do own Fetch. I don't know if I listed it earlier, but I do own Fetch. I love Fetch. And uh, if they can do what they say they're going to do, it's going to be interesting. Could actually be... It could, I, I, I don't want to use the word life-changing, but it could actually have an effect on the way some, some, some of us do business or some of us do, our, you know, do some aspects of our lives. And that is super interesting to me. Uh, all of which comes down to my other criteria. I don't tend to put dollars into a crypto unless they offer some kind of staking. Uh, and I'm going to try to give you the fast and dirty explanation of what, what staking is. So first of all, I have to start with, pr with uh, what staking means. There are... At this point, there are rough, uh, effectively two kinds of what's called consensus, but 
doing doing the security checks on the encryption that is done for each transaction to keep it secure. There's proof of work and there's proof of stake. Bitcoin is proof of work. What that means is that there are computers that are doing the work. And if one of them is lucky enough to find a block when they're doing that work, they get awarded uh, uh, the, the, the Bitcoin that is new, newly created and given to them. And the problem is, a lot of our viewers and listeners might already know this, but a whole lot of electricity goes to mining Bitcoin. It's like 1% of the, of the uh, electricity produced around the planet is currently being used to mine Bitcoin. It's insane and ridiculous and awful. Uh, another system for getting consensus, i.e. keeping everything secure, is called proof of stake. And with, I'm going to explain how Cardano's proof of stake works with an auctioneer metaphor. Are you ready, Chuck? Go for it. Okay. With proof of work, you have all of these computers all frantically working on the same math problems, hoping that they're the ones that are going to be lucky and they're going to find the block. So there's a lot of redundant and wasted work. And then the more computers get thrown at it, the harder the work becomes so that all of the new Bitcoins aren't, aren't found all at one time. With proof of stake, what you have is you have people running a computer, might be a server, but it might be server space that's rented from, say, Amazon Web Services. And all of those people who have set up their computer to do the proof of stake consensus work are all lined up in front of the blockchain. And the blockchain is represented by an auctioneer. The auctioneer is up on stage and the auctioneer says, who's got some Cardano? And this person with a computer all set up to do this proof of, of state consensus says, I've got some Cardano. I've got 100,000 Cardano. And the auctioneer says, oh, that's fantastic. And then he writes that person's name down on 100,000 pieces of paper and they go into a fishbowl. And then the auctioneer says, who else has got some Cardano? And another person says, I've got some Cardano. I've got a million. So ah, that's great. So he writes that person's name down a million on a million pieces of paper, throws them into the fishbowls. Now the fishbowl's got a million, 100,000 pieces of paper in it. And he goes through all of the parties who have said that they have a computer and that they are prepared to do this work. And they are, they are, offering as their guarantee that they're going to do the job properly all the Cardano that's under their control. Right? They're, they're not giving it away. They're just saying, they're just saying, I've got this, this, like I've I've put money into this Cardano, and this is my commitment to to guaranteeing the network. So then the auctioneer says, Great, now I've got billions of pieces of paper in this fishbowl. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take time and I'm going to divide that time into epochs, and I'm going to divide those epochs into slots. And I forget off the top of my head how many slots are in an epoch, but I think it's uh, I think it's a couple hundred thousand. So each slot, uh, so each epoch is five days long. There's a couple of hundred thousand slots that last for seconds, and. For each slot, the auctioneer draws a piece of paper out of that fishbowl and says, ah, Brian, you, you get slot one. And so 
I'm excited. I thought that's fantastic. And so my computer is suddenly checking encryption and making sure that everything is secure. And at the end of my slot, the auctioneer draws another piece of paper and says, okay, now Chuck, your computer is going to handle slot two and your computer is going to handle slot three and your computer is going to handle slot four and your computer is going to handle slot five. So now what you have is one computer doing the work to guarantee the network instead of millions of computers working all at the same time to guarantee the network. And there never has to be an escalation in difficulty because the control is being dictated by who has put up their Cardano as a stake. So you've got one computer at a time instead of millions of computers at a time doing it. And, and this job is constantly handled off. There's all kinds of redundancy involved, too. I, I, my, my explanation is extraordinarily simplified. But uh, the way it works is, is that is, is the, the blockchain is handing out the rights to these computers to do the work. And if those computers are down, people will end up pulling their, their staked Cardano from that pool. And that, you know, that computer won't end up, the, the, the person that's running that pool, if they're not up and they're not running and they're not making everything work, then they're going to end up not being able to uh, continue to doing, to, to continue to do the work and, uh, uh, and will be penalized accordingly. And so the, 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 the system basically takes care of itself that way. So it's a little bit like, um, and, and correct me if my metaphor is wrong, it's, it's like staking somebody at the poker table. That if I say I'm going to back you for $1,000, you sit down at the poker table, and you know as long as you don't lose more than $1,000, you're fine. But if you lose $5,000, then you're going to be penalized by the guys taking you out in the back and beating you with baseball bats. Yeah, yeah, that's it's uh, um, it's not quite an. I mean, I like the analogy. I like where your, where your brain went, but um, you know, and uh, that actually kind of uh, uh, brings up another point. If you stake someone for a thousand bucks in a poker game, um, you're getting some percentage of his winnings, right? And you're gonna you're gonna have negotiated that. Well, that's how these staking pools work too. So. With each of those slots, there's a chance, a very small chance of finding a block. And and new Cardano is awarded with that block. And then that Cardano gets spread evenly amongst all of the people who have staked their Cardano to that pool. Okay. So right, the percentage. Brian, you just went mute. Huh, that's fun. Sorry. The uh, uh, you can't actually have a loss the way it works. You just might not get anything. It, like if your pool's not big enough, it might not end up finding any blocks. Okay. But oh, and and the, the beautiful thing is that uh, Cardano in particular. And by the way, all the staking systems work a little bit differently. What I what I described was my was my uh, my idea of how the Cardano system works. Other staking systems work a little bit differently, but. It's all done through a wallet. So when if I stake my Cardano to a pool, I'm pledging it to that pool, but I, I retain ownership the whole time. I don't have to actually send my, Card- my Cardano anywhere. The, the network, the blockchain, the wallets were actually devised from the ground up to allow me to simply stake my Cardano, pledge it to a, to a given pool, 
uh, but retain ownership the whole time. Today's Mac Voices is supported by the Mac Voices Slack. The Mac Voices Slack is where you can connect with the members of the Mac Voices Live panel and other Mac Voices patrons. Get in on the discussions, agree or disagree with our opinions, and get your voice heard. Sign up at patreon.com slash macvoices. And thanks for supporting Mac Voices. So the one other thing I need to ask you about your example, you said that in your example, there are five computers guaranteeing the network as opposed to, you know, hundreds or thousands around the world. It, it actually is hundreds, but go ahead. Okay. Um, so, so does that not make the network more vulnerable because there are not as many, there's not as much uh, redundancy? That's a great question. Uh, no, the redundancy is actually handled by, by the protocol. I mean, like, like if, if a computer is given a slot that, but it doesn't actually meet it's it's uh, uh you know it goes offline uh there's some there's a redundancy system that, that's set up for that uh with cardano at least and uh in addition to that you've got each with each slot being so short any given computer going down isn't going to crush anything anyway right the slots are really 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 quick um but the 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 thing that 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 may not have been uh, immediately clear is the only reason why it takes so many Bitcoin miners to mine Bitcoin is because the difficulty has been artificially increased because there are so many computers doing it. When Bitcoin started off, it was uh, Satoshi Nakamoto and maybe, I don't know, two or three of us, I don't know how many people, but it was a handful of people that were doing the mining on their, their PCs. And then other people started throwing their PCs at it, and other people started throwing their PC, PCs at it. And because Bitcoin was designed for the last fraction of a Bitcoin to be mined sometime in the year 2138, it's set up so that the more computers that are trying to do the math, the harder the math is. If computers get taken offline, eventually the difficulty would be decreased. But in general, you know, it it, it kind of goes up like you know, like that. Um, uh, um, uh, it, it, it generally speaking, if you look at the difficulty graph, it's it's you know, it's a it's a straight. I know I'm going in two different directions here. Just deal with me. Um, you know, it's it's this 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 line that's going up like that with little jagged jagged bits uh, here and there. But anyway, the point is this, you don't need all those computers doing the encryption. The encryption is, is really, really difficult as it is, but because there are so many computers doing the Bitcoin mining, it has to be ever harder with the proof of stake systems. The difficulty does not have to be increased just to keep up with new computers. If you have more and more pools that are joining the 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 network you're just taking the existing amount of work and you're spreading it amongst new players but there's still only one one player at a time that is that is actually doing the work and you get a reward for that you do you just like with bitcoin mining where new bitcoins are minted and handed out with the with the block that is found when a cardano block is found cardano uh, it's it's a little bit different but but the cardano bank 
hands out some Cardano that it's holding is very specific to this purpose. And there's also the transaction fees, and those transaction fees also get spread out amongst the, all the people who are staking. So it's safe to say that everybody that's doing some of the work, everybody that's providing some of the guarantees, everybody's getting paid a little something, just like in the real world when you take your money to the bank and you know, you're getting a little bit of interest so they can use your money to loan it out to somebody else. And that yeah, person is able like that. To, you know, they, that person takes the, the loan and they use it to start a business where they make money um, that hopefully is in excess of what they're paying the bank. And so it just goes on and on and on. They go, right. And with, with staking, like different, different cryptos pay different staking rewards uh, with Cardano. I generally speaking, see about four or five percent uh annual return which is a lot more than the bank's gonna give me for dollars uh polka dot uh i stake polka dot through kraken um that pays 12 percent, and it's compounded twice a week my cardano is compounded uh every five days um there are some card there are some <clears throat> cryptos that pay higher staking rewards uh fetch the fetch staking rewards are based on, uh, you know, how much fetch is actually being staked. I'm currently seeing over 16% annual return, and that's actually paid out throughout the day. So, you know, it compounds as quickly as I want it to. So, am I making sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I like I say, if if I'm going to put dollar bills into a crypto... It needs to offer staking rather than proof of work because proof of thing like Chainlink is trying to make it so that different blockchains can talk to each other. That's super useful. There, there are cryptos that are that are trying to make it so that blockchains can talk to the existing financial world. That's super useful. There are um, 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 uh, various cryptos that can do smart contracts. Ethereum was the first that could do smart contracts. Smart contracts have an enormous amount of potential to have a very positive uh, effect or at the very least a substantial effect on the business world. That stuff is very, very interesting. NFTs are, are fun. NFT games, I think, are really, really interesting. That's one of the newest things is NFT games where your character is an NFT. Do we not want to open the NFT uh, can of worms? No, we're not. Brian, you got to come back. I mean, we're 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 way over time, but uh, but uh, you know, there's so many there's so many. I have at least a dozen questions here about the things you've already told us, and let alone getting into NFTs. And that would be that'll be a fun conversation too. We got to do this again. Um, but I, I do want to wrap with one question though, and I think it's an important one because it's one of the things that I would be thinking if I were to get into this in any kind of um non-trivial way let's say i get into crypto and it goes up and it, it goes up to the point that i'm happy with the profit and i want to get out obviously we've talked about how you can get into bitcoin how, how do you get out of crypto how do you get out of any of the ones that you've talked about the, the either the legacy ones the the oldest ones or the newest ones how easy and 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 what kind of fees do you pay to get back out to transfer back to dollars? I think you're muted again. Sorry. Huh. Don't know why that happens. 
Uh, most cryptos, most exchanges allow a variety of training, either uh, trading from either crypto to crypto or dollars to crypto or crypto to dollars. So uh, Coinbase being a good example, you could deposit through your bank, from your bank, I should say, not through your bank, but but you can basically connect your bank bank account using, you know, you're giving them your routing number and your account number. Um, and and the, they basically trigger the 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 uh, the deposit. They let you trade those dollars instantly, but you cannot withdraw them for five days. Usually five days. I, uh, I've seen it be six. And I've also seen it be three. Uh, but and so that they can basically make sure that they actually have the confirmation uh, confirmed, um, or actually get those dollars confirmed from your bank. And if you were to turn around and then sell your Bitcoin or your whatever whatever crypto it might be on an exchange. For dollars, you could then transfer those dollars to your bank account, the same way you transferred them in. What kind? What kind of fee? What kind of percentage do they take for the uh, transaction? Uh, they don't. Uh, that's going to be like I can't answer that question um, because it's going to be constantly changing. Generally speaking, the only fees they charge. I've never actually. I don't sell my cryptos for dollars, so I don't actually know what they charge to send money back to your bank. Um, they generally speaking will charge a transaction fee to cover whatever fees the network, the crypto network that you're on are charging. So like, like if, if I, for instance, if, if I put dollars in and I buy Cardano and I want to move Cardano somewhere else, then I'm going to, I'm going to cover the transaction fee that the Cardano network charges to, to send any, to send anything. Some exchanges are, are going to charge more. So they're actually, they are taking a profit from it, but it's still, you know, it's still generally speaking, it's not going to be a whole lot of money. Ethereum costs a ridiculous amount of money to send anything on like Ethereum, which I own is largely a mess and part of the reason why it's a mess is it was the first crypto to do a lot of very important things including smart contracts and uh so there's a lot of development on the ethereum uh platform and uh but it can cost sometimes many tens of dollars to send any amount of ethereum like it you know it, it can be super expensive and uh uh, accordingly, um, uh, that's something you actually, you, you have to watch, but it's always going to be it, any given transaction fee is always going to depend on, uh, uh, how congested the, the, uh, a blockchain might be at that time. And then whatever kind of fees that blockchain might be charging. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So again, Wild Wild West. The the rules are different for just about everything. You just gotta make yeah. sure you have the right rule book. Yeah. Yes. And maybe someone has made it. <laughs> that that rule book might exist. Well, I'm think I've I meant by that, um, for the particular exchange and for the particular uh crypto that you are dealing with. I didn't yeah. mean across the and board for everybody, but and not surprisingly, uh, the cryptos, generally speaking, make it cheap or free to get dollars onto their exchange. They might not be as uh, cheap or free to get your dollars out. Right. 
And there are also, by the way, there are some, there are things called uh, decentralized, decentralized exchanges or DEXs. And that's where uh, the exchange actually exists completely. Like it's not being run on, on, you know, companies, company A's server somewhere. It's actually being run through the blockchain itself so that it's, you know, like all of the math is being handled through smart. Anyway, that's definitely another can of worms. And and I absolutely, I don't even quite know enough to get myself in trouble. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm starting off being in trouble by even mentioning it. <laughs> all right. Well, go study up on it and come back. Um, because okay. again, there, there are a number of things that I've, I really want this conversation to go on for a couple of hours because um, I'd like to learn more and find find out what you know, find out what you don't know, and and aid my understanding because I'm I'm about yeah, I would, you know, fifty paces back. I would love it if uh, your listeners and viewers let you know any questions that they have, and that you'll I trust you to get those to me. Absolutely, yeah. Please do because I'd lo- that would be the, the perfect way to get Brian back the next time is to you know have a Q and A session. For some of your questions, um, and then we can you know jump off from there. Um, but yes, absolutely. So Chuck at macvoices.com, you can send me any or all crypto questions, and we'll have our crypto expert Brian Chaffin answer them. And my uh, email address is Chuck at macvoices.com. <laughs> so uh, you can write me there. I don't have. A, I need a public. Uh, I need a public address. I don't have one anymore, so I got to sort that out. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, until then, um, crypto questions only don't send any, if you, if you're sending love letters to Brian, please don't. All, all your questions, anything you have to say about me to me, Chuck at macvoices.com. Just send it all right there. (laughs) So since you don't have a public email address, I mean, do we have, um, do we, are you still TMO Brian on, um, on Twitter? I, am that might change because of the tmo part of that i will probably end up changing that but i really have been i don't tweet much i consume most of my twitter through my other account which is geektales g-e-k-t-e-l-l-s uh and then geektales.com is my uh is my neglected blog Brian, thank you. That, I mean, we went deep, and I'm sure we have some people's uh, heads spinning. You certainly have mine spinning in in several places. Um, but it's it's fascinating, and I still just believe it's important that we all pay just a little bit of attention, and at least maybe can't can't answer questions, but we at least start to know which questions to ask before we dive in. Yeah. So we'll have you back soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me today. Hey, good to see you. I know we, we we kept you through sundown. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost dark. Yeah, it's getting it's getting dark, and Echobot is demanding attention. So, He'll, yes. Take care. We'll talk to you soon, folks. I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Yeah, if we left your head swimming, sorry about that. But you know that's the first uh, leg in in getting some understanding in some of this wild crypto world. I hope you will join us next time Brian comes. I hope you'll join us every time we're here. Until the next time, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page 
and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.